0: Welcome back to Bibby as the open.
1: The Kings Insider Podcast on
2: CSNCalifornia.com. Introducing your host, Sacramento Kings Insider
0: James Ham. Welcome to the NBC Sports Bay Area Kings Insider Podcast. I am James Ham. Joining me today, we got we've got draft coverage. We've got to start covering it heavy now. Sacramento Kings had a big night on Tuesday night, but we'll get to that in a few minutes. Uh, I'm going to welcome in our guest for the first portion of the podcast. Sam Vicini from Sporting News. Sam, how are you?
1: It's a nice day out here in Los Angeles. It's post-lottery day. Uh, That means that it's the day where people uh, who have watched 10 minutes of Draft Express videos become draft experts, and I am so pumped for it. It's going to be
0: fantastic. (laughs) You know what the best part is, though? All of them have that song stuck in their head. (laughs) <laughs> All of them. Yeah. They can't that's, get away from it. <laughs> that's a
1: Mike Schmidt special. Mike's my guy. And uh, yeah, he's uh, he's opened up a whole new world of rap music to a lot of people.
0: That's right. Uh, Mike was our first draft guest uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, I actually sat with him in uh in Sacramento when uh, during the tournament so we yeah. watched UCLA play together uh you know Oregon uh, a couple other you know it, it was intriguing either way um but it's such a good guy such a good guy to hang out with and you know sort of uh grassroots guy a guy who started and worked his way up and and now he's he's pretty much the voice I mean Gavoni owns the site but uh Mike Schmitz he's the voice of uh of a lot of people's draft knowledge and uh so uh, you're right. It is that day where you get so many people just spouting out things that they think they know. Um, and, yeah. I mean, as someone who studied the draft for years, and, and I'm sure you're the same, um, that's kind of fun, though, right? You're you're watching all of these things just pop up and like, oh, boy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, it's
1: fun. Um, I've gotten a lot better at ignoring a lot of like the craziest stuff and not responding to people on Twitter. Um, you know, early, early on that was a little bit of a trouble spot for me, but now I'm just like, you know what, whatever, do your thing, have fun. I have 97 other things to do. I have to go out to workouts. I have to go see trainers and stuff like that. And plus I have to write after that. So yeah, no, do, do your thing
0: guys have fun. That's right, that's right. Okay, so the Kings had a big night. Uh, I think it could have been better, but in all honesty, it could have been a lot worse. And I was going
1: to say, dude, what was your impression of the night? Because I feel like it was fine in that they got the New Orleans pick, but then it was kind of disastrous also at the
0: top, right? Well, I think it's disastrous in that you move up after years and years and years. I mean, You know, they've only moved up once, and it was a Purvis-Ellison draft. Uh, I think when they when they got the Billy Owens pick at number three, they were slated to go number three. Um, so basically, you have a team who just basically every year slides back. I mean, when they won seventeen wins, they dropped to four in the Blake Griffin draft, and they they got Tyreek Evans that year. Um, the next year, they I think they were the second overall the worst record, and they dropped to five where they picked Cousins. So I mean, they have this this cloud about them that they never good things never happen in Sacramento. Uh, good things happen and then you have the pick swap, which you know everyone has kind of had that in the back of your mind hanging you over your head. But I think if you walk you pull back and you say, Look, it's realistically it's a five or six man top draft. It's a really, really talented at the at the top, and it's a good draft, but at the top it's really talented. And you figured out a way, even though it, it could have been better to get to number five as opposed to number eight. I think fans will take it, especially when you factor in that the J.J. Hickson trade uh, from 2011 is finally gone. It's finally (laughs) off the books, which is probably—is that like the longest-running bad deal of all time? Uh, It's just been hanging over them for six seasons where they can't trade their draft picks before or after. just really strange.
1: Yeah, the Kings— Future draft pick obligations have been just a total mess for the last like you know what is it six or seven years now I would say since yeah. the JJ trade, um, so that's a factor. You know the the good thing about all of this is now is that the Kings front office. You know you talk to people around the NBA, it's starting to at least gain a little bit more respect, right? Like before, you know it was kind of a laughing stock. Like let's just be kind of call it what it was, right? Yeah. yeah. But, you know, hiring guy like Scott Perry, you know, a lot of the work they've done over the course of the last few years, Ken Catanella, um, they've brought in guys that, you know, hold respect around the NBA and, They've made it seem like trades, like what happened last night with the pick swap, where you trade out Nick Stauskas and Carl Landry and I believe Jason Thompson, mm-hmm. you know, you trade out all those guys. Those trades are a thing of the past, right? Like no one's no one in that front office like Perry or, you know, Ken Catanella or anything like that. They're going to they're not going to let that happen, right? Like they're not going to be like, uh, yeah, Vladi, you can just randomly trade swap rights. They don't have any meaning. I mean, they clearly have meaning, as we saw last night. Of course. But You know, I think that it shows that we're a little bit past that now. And that's really, really important for the King's future going forward. Now you have these two top 10 draft picks, with which you can build around. And, you know, do I, you know, it all comes, it's all going to come back to what they ultimately get for the DeMarcus Cousins trade. Does Buddy Heald work out? Does uh, this, you know, 10th overall pick work out? But. You know, we'll see. It. It's at least an exciting time in Sacramento, and I can't remember the last time that you could say that about Kings basketball.
0: No, that's true. And and the other thing I'll point out is that they really have, like, clear needs. You, you look at this team and it's like, mm-hmm. uh, okay, I mean, they need depth all over the place, but they also need a young point guard and they need a young small forward. And this just yep. happens to be the draft where – You know, if you're in the top five, the top five players that should go in this draft or the most likely will go are three-point guards and two small forwards. I mean, even if you just wait at five and sit back and just collect whatever's left, you're Mm -hmm. going to get a position of need. And I think that's really big for this team. Now, you've studied these guys. You've watched them exclusively for some of them for, you know, a couple of years, even though they're they're uh, all of them are one and dones. Um, who stands out to you that you think would be a good fit with what the Kings have currently? Um, which is a bunch of young players, but you know, a, an impressive young talent in Scalabissier, uh, Buddy Hield, who, whether he's a starter or not long-term will be decided, but you know, at least a guy who can score and who's a hard worker and they've got Willie Collie Stein at the center position, but then they need depth everywhere. Uh, which one of these guys at, at number five really like piques your interest for this team? <sighs>
1: So, yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting to see the way the draft unfolds above them, right? Mm-hmm. Because most people are kind of assuming it's going to go Markel Fultz, Lonzo Ball, yeah. you know, 1-2. And I, I think that that's probably a fair assumption. I don't think the Lakers are like 100% going to take Lonzo. But I think that it's pretty likely that that ends up being the scenario. Um, and then at number three, Philadelphia is a free-for-all, right? Nobody really knows what the Sixers are going to do because— I don't think any of the point guards totally fit them, right? Like De'Aaron Fox has shooting issues, and do you really want to mix his shooting issues with Ben Simmons, who's also going to be handling the ball a ton? Do you, uh, you know, want to put Dennis Smith on this team? Do you want to put like a, another combo forward like Jason Tatum on the team, or another uh, like another wing guy who can't really shoot in Josh Jackson? Uh, the best fit's probably Malik Monk. So, like, what do you? what do you do even though Malik Monk isn't really a top three talent? It's a tricky spot for them. And I think that ultimately what's going to happen because of that is you're going to have a situation where I don't think that they're going to take Jason Tatum. And maybe that creates a situation where Jason Tatum falls to five uh, because Mm -hmm. if they end up, if Philadelphia ends up taking a guard, I think that the Suns will take Josh Jackson at four Mm Mm-hmm. Because he's kind of a perfect fit for them. And if you are sitting there with Jason Tatum at five, I have him at number two on my board. Uh, he is maybe the most polished scorer to come through uh, the college basketball process in a while, right? Uh, really, really fluid can create separation with easy Has really long legs, really long limbs. He has that kind of Dirk step back jumper. Um, He can get into the mid range and knock down shots. Uh, You know, still working on the three point shot. I think he's good from the corner already, but needs to kind of extend that range back needs to kind of iron out some of the roboticism almost in his jump shot a little bit. Like it's a little bit, um, it's not quite as fluid as you would like to see it uh, whenever he's kind of rising up off the dribble uh from three point range at least he's excellent from the mid range um defensively you're talking about a guy that's very switchable 6 foot 7 6 foot 8 uh you know 7 foot wingspan is good when he's engaged and he's pretty good about being engaged. You'd like to see it get a little bit better, but he'd be a really nice fit with a guy like buddy Heald who can stretch the floor for him. You can kind of see little scenarios where you let Jason Tatum operate in the mid post and you let buddy healed kind of throw an entry passes to him. And, you know, I really liked what I saw from buddy this year and whenever he got to Sacramento too, I think that he showed off a little bit better uh, in terms of his ball handling ability than what he was showing in new Orleans. So I I like Tatum a decent amount there. And plus the best part about Tatum is he is like 100% character kid going to come in, going to work his ass off, going to really, really, you know, reach his ceiling, whatever his ceiling is, he's going to reach it. I have no doubt about that. Um, It's just whether or not you believe his ceiling is 27 point per game scorer, or if you think he's. Uh, you know, a little bit too robotic in the Harrison Barnsey mold. And it's more like 17 points per game on a good team.
0: It's, it really sounded like you were describing Rudy Gay there for a little while.
1: A little bit. Yeah. He has some (laughs) of that to his game. I think he's a little bit better of a passer than Rudy's a little bit more instinctual, um, defensively, I think that he generally kind of cares a little bit more. And ultimately I think he plays team basketball a little bit better than Rudy does. He doesn't really get as, you know, focused in on the basket as often as Rudy seemed to, Uh, you know, especially throughout his career. I think that one underrated thing about Rudy in Sacramento is that I thought he was really good. Uh, You know, for the, what was it? I guess it was three years that he was there. He was awesome. I thought whenever they moved him down and kind of let him play the stretch four a little bit more, uh, he got really underrated in Sacramento. I felt, you know, he was efficient. He had like a fifty-six percent true shooting percentage. He was averaging like eighteen points a game, something like six rebounds, five rebounds or so. Um, he he was really good, and I think that if you end up with a young nineteen-year-old version of Rudy Gay that plays slightly better team basketball, that's a win. I think.
0: Uh, I would agree one hundred percent. Now I, I'm just going to throw out hypotheticals. If you're looking, if you're Boston at number one. Is there any way that they go away from Fultz? It, it, do they look at this and um, do they fall in love with uh, with Jason Tatum or with uh, Josh Jackson because they already have Isaiah Thomas and they know that he's not just their point guard, but he really is their franchise? And by bringing in a guy like Fultz, maybe you're upsetting the apple cart here. Do you think it's possible that they – they do something just off script and and go with a small forward to really improve that that position long term. Although again, I like Crowder. I'm just I'm just spitballing here because I could see a little bit of a an opportunity here for the draft to get shook up at the top, and, and then what happens? And, and then maybe that's how the Kings end up getting the player that they really they really want, which is in my opinion, it's it's De'Aaron Fox.
1: Yeah, I would be surprised if that would end up happening, like if Markel Fultz would end up going uh, anywhere but number one at this stage. He's just such a complete prospect. Yeah. Uh, You look at what he can do in the pick and roll. He can score from all three levels, Uh, you know, good three point shooter, very acrobatic and, uh, you know, able to hang in the air and finish at the rim Uh, has the floater game. Uh, you know, left to right crossover, change of direction, change of pace, uh, everything you're looking for in a modern point guard, Markel Fultz has it. He's kind of like what everyone thought D'Angelo Russell was whenever D'Angelo Russell went to the Lakers, Okay. except probably a little bit more engaged in terms of basketball and then also a little bit more explosive athletically as well. So that kind of guy, I think, is, you know, he's probably going to be a 20 point six assist guy at some point, 25.7 assist guy in the NBA at some point, And that's probably a top 10 player offensively in the entire league. So I, uh, I, I don't see anyone with that kind of upside. And plus you look at the holes in Markel Fultz's game, you know, he doesn't stay engaged defensively, but he does have the athleticism and length to be a good defender if he wants to really lock in on that end. Mm-hmm. So I think that, you know, Ultimately, he's not only an extremely safe pick, but he's also an extremely high upside pick. And because you have a guy in Isaiah Thomas who is, I believe, going to be 28 or 29 at the end of next year Mm -hmm. when his contract runs out, I would take Markel. And to be honest, I would consider trading Isaiah Thomas this summer. Uh, depending on the way that your free agency and the way that everything goes down. Now, if they get Gordon Hayward and they're able to swing a deal for a guy like a Paul George or something, and you want to keep Isaiah Thomas and you want to keep Markel Fultz and you want to keep everything along Al Horford and stuff and go for it next year. I totally understand that. But if you don't end up getting Gordon Hayward and uh, really, if you don't end up getting Gordon Hayward, I think that uh, if I was them, I would be setting up to be the next team after LeBron because if they don't end up getting a guy like Hayward in there, I I I still don't really see their path to competing with Cleveland for uh, an Eastern Conference title just because, as, you know, DeMar DeRozan said, you know, he's lebron you know they had lebron and we didn't so uh you know as long as that's the case and as long as lebron is still superhuman essentially uh i would be setting up to be the next team after lebron because i think in three years you probably will be talking about a situation where uh, you want to be the next team after him and they're best positioned in the NBA of anyone to do it
0: no I, I would agree 100% I also think we need to see how they play against LeBron um, in, in the upcoming series uh, you know before we we start writing off what they are right now and what they can be so uh, I, I'm intrigued to see I, I mean there's a good chance that they're gonna get wiped out um, but then again, I mean, it's almost like two trains heading towards each other and, and the Warriors and the Cavs. I mean, neither one of his lo- neither one has lost a game and they're just like cruising right towards each other, like some sort of uh, epic battle that's going to play out in, in the finals. Um, getting back to the draft, though, um, when you look at this, is there a way for Fox to fall to the Kings? Because I think that's where Kings fans are going to start. Kings fans have this ability to fall in love with one player and then <laughs> obsess over that one player uh, almost to a point of, like, insanity. I know even last year it was it was Wade Baldwin, and then when Wade Baldwin was there and they passed on him and took Yorgos Papianis, uh, Kings fans just, like, lost their mind completely. Um, but I, I think that player this season is going to be De'Aaron Fox because they do know that they need a point guard to build around long term. And I guess number one can is there a path to him, and number two, who is De'Aaron Fox at the NBA level?
1: Well, Wade was the only guy to come in for a workout, right? So that would make sense why they fell in love.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, and <laughs> you know the, I mean, again, if you you have been around Wade, right? Uh, so I think yeah. he he's fallen in love with himself as well. So so there's a little <laughs> bit of you know everyone is enamored with Wade, including Wade. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> that's we'll, a really good way to put it. Yeah. We'll, we'll just keep going.
1: <laughs> um, so yeah, let's, let's talk about ways to get De'Aaron and Fox to Sacramento. Right. And I th- actually think that the path is not that crazy. If no one trades above them to move up for him and get them. Right. Yeah. So, you know, let's say that Boston takes Markel Fultz for all of the reasons I just said, and the Lakers take Lonzo for all of the obvious Lonzo reasons. Um, Philadelphia, like I said, I don't really love the De'Aaron Fox fit there. If I was them, I would be looking for more of a floor spacing guard than uh, athletic ball in his hand, you know, kind of attack off the dribble guard just because they have Ben Simmons. They're going to be clogging the paint with Joel Embiid is such a, you know, such a prolific post threat. So I'm not sure I love the De'Aaron Fox fit there. Phoenix already has Eric Bledsoe. They already have Tyler Eulis you know, maybe they do take a look at the Kentucky pipeline and just decide, you know, we love the fit with Devin Booker. Um, we like him just a little bit more than we like Josh Jackson, but ultimately I would, if I was them, I would take Josh Jackson over. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he, he just fits a little bit better. So I, I actually think the path to them getting De'Aaron Fox is pretty clear. Um, If that is to happen, uh, you know, I really love the fit next to Buddy Heald. Uh, I'm someone who really likes Buddy in general, uh, as someone who's gotten to know him, as someone who, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, who's I I think I was the first person to, like, write the origin story of Buddy from the Bahamas. Right. Like, I love that kid just unconditionally, to be honest. Um, And he's another guy that's going to get the absolute most out of his ceiling. And De'Aaron Fox is another character kid that's going to get the most out of his ceiling. He does all kind of great work in terms of uh you know charity and volunteer work and taking his time uh in the Kentucky community even in the one year that he was there um also a really really smart kid really you know just generally savvy kid who again I think is going to get the most out of his potential he is one of the quickest guards in this draft if not the quickest guard in this draft uh, Pretty good vision, more of a scorer right now, but I think that he can develop that, uh, you know, passing instinct over time because he did it a decent amount in high school. Um, You look at what he's capable of at 170 pounds around the rim. Uh, He was in the top 25 percentile of all college basketball players this year in finishing at the rim in the half court and was in the top 10% of all players on finishing runners and floaters. So He's not only a, you know, just jitterbug who can get into the lane whenever he wants, but he finishes once he gets into the lane. And that's only going to improve as he continues to fill out his body, fill out his core strength, fill out his lower body strength and frame. And, uh, you know, if you believe in the body filling out, I think that you also believe in him becoming a better shooter. I think that that's one thing that often goes underreported and you know underrated when you're talking about jump shooters, right? Just having better lower body strength, having better core strength up through your frame really matters whenever you're talking about a guy that uh, can't, needs to replicate these shooting mechanics, right? Because you need the kind of muscle memory that allows you to, you know, go deep into games, replicate the same form, replicate, you know, your solid, what you've been taught shooting mechanics. And if you're a little bit weak in terms of your body, I think that you can struggle to do that sometimes. So if you believe in Darren Fox getting up to, you know, 185 pounds consistently, which is where he started this year, but ended up just naturally dropping weight as he continued to work and just continued to, you know, not be able to go to the gym every day and eat 7,000 calories every day or whatever. Uh, yeah. It's like he had do doing. So if you believe in him and you believe in Sacramento's weight training staff, which, you know, again, they did a pretty good job at Scalabissier this year in both Reno and in Sacramento, yeah. um, if you believe in those guys improving him uh, and improving his frame, I think you probably should believe in De'Aaron Fox as, uh, you know, this potential all-star point guard.
0: Okay. No, that all sounds great. I mean, I think Kings fans would be over the moon if that's what happens. Um, and, and again, they they do tend to fall in love. Now, the Kings also have the 10th pick. In the draft, I think initially they were, you know, in the back of their mind, they were thinking if they could take 8 and 10. Maybe they could get up to, they could get up into the top four to get Fox or the top five. Um, now mm-hmm. they they probably don't have to worry about that. Maybe if, you know, again, it, it does sound to me like Philly might regret the pick swap. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it would have been better if the pick swap doesn't happen because then the Kings can take Monk at three. and I mean, they, they could take Fox at three and... Philly can take Monk at five and and not feel bad about what they've done. Um, But the Kings also have that 10 spot. So if you're looking at the small forwards who might make it to 10, is there anyone who jumps off the the board to you and just says, ah, you got to take this guy, be it, you know, if Simmons somehow falls out that far, uh, Justin Jackson, um, OG, you know, one of these guys that really just maybe will come out of nowhere.
1: You know, no one really stands out to me at that level. To me, this is a 10 or 11 person draft, uh, depending on what you think of Zach Collins in terms of like the higher level, uh, players. So, Mm -hmm. you know, Jonathan Isaac, to me, it wouldn't be crazy if he fell to 10, but I also consider him more of a four and I don't know how great his fit would be with Scalabissier. If you consider Labissier a true building block of the organization, um, Jason Tatum, again, I think he could end up being something of a faller in this draft just from the way the board shook out, but I think you'd have to move up to get him, right? Yeah. Um, in terms of the other guards, I mean, I don't think it would be the worst thing in the world if Sacramento took, like, a Malik Monk or Dennis Smith or Frank Nillikina if those guys ended up falling. Larry Marketin, if you believe in Scal becoming a legitimate like weak side rim protector and you believe in Willie Cauley Stein's ability to kind of just athletically run around and defend like crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't hate Lowry Markin in there. I I, I can see it as a floor spacing big man who genuinely might step into the NBA. And this is not an exaggeration uh, outside of Dirk and be the best shooter at the center position in the NBA. Uh, He's that Fluid. He's that good off the bounce. He's that good off the move. Um, He's just an unbelievable shooting seven footer that will provide value pretty quickly. So I'm not someone who really is a huge believer in OG Ananobi being worth a top 10 pick. I think he's probably the worst offensive player that will be projected in the first round this year that will probably be selected in the first round this year. Um, Defensively, there are obviously a ton of uh, there's a ton of upside there, but you know, I I I want two way players if I'm going that high. Yeah. Um, Terrence Ferguson is a guy that some people like. Hamadou Diallo is a hyper athlete at six foot five, six eleven wingspan. Um, obviously, you know, I, I can point to the forty four inch vertical leap that he did at the combine. That was
0: impressive. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you see him on the floor though, which I've seen him probably seven or eight times uh live, and it just genuinely makes your jaw drop. Like he is, he utilizes that athleticism on the floor as well. Um, Luke Kennard would not be a crazy pick to me again if you really just want to kind of load up on offense. But you know th- those those kind of wing players, those two way wing players, I don't really think that they're going to be there for the Kings, right? So you know maybe that's a situation where you can try and trade down and accumulate picks. Maybe it's a situation where uh, you can try and move up and try and find your guy, but. I'm not a hundred percent sure that you know the way that this shook out. It works out great for them at ten.
0: Okay, the ten pick is a little sketchy. All right, so hey, I don't want to keep you all day, I know you're a busy man, especially this time of year. Um, but the Kings also have an early second round pick. Who do you look uh, at with that early second round? pick? What are they? The thirty fourth pick in the second in, in, in the draft overall, so the uh, fourth pick, fifth pick in the second round. Um, but for yeah, me, something like yeah, yeah, for me, I, I want. Uh, a gritty banger uh either down in the post or or a guard that can that kind of gives me more than just scoring. Uh is there someone that, that you would center on with that pick?
1: Yeah, I look at two guys for them at thirty four. Uh I like uh Josh Hart for them a decent amount, you know, six foot six wing, not super long, but really strong defensively can shoot the ball was, in my opinion, the national player of the year in college basketball this season. I know that Frank Mason won the award, but I voted for Josh Hart. Um, He's just a tough kid that would, again, fit in with the culture that they're trying to build in terms of getting all of these really awesome kids in there. And another kid that really fits that mold is Shemi Ojale out of SMU, six foot seven, you know, kind of, uh, you know, combo forward, you know, wing kind of guy in the Jay Crowder mold mm-hmm. who is really tough defensively. Can both slide, uh, and switch pick and rolls and also bang inside. He had to guard, seven foot six taco fall from UCF pretty regularly this year uh, whenever those two teams uh, met and faced off was also a really really good jump shooter uh, in college at SMU this year so I look at those two guys and I think that if either of those two fall that would be a really really nice fit for them
0: okay so sort of a, a perimeter wing that can they can do a few things that's interesting are there any uh you know because of course they've got a, a glut at the center position they've got willie they've got uh honest they've got costa kufus uh and then this the power they've got scowl and po- potentially anthony tolliver is there a banger there that uh you know i like a caleb swanigan a guy who comes in and just like yeah and just beats on you
1: yeah i think caleb swanigan uh is pretty much your Greatest example of that. Uh, He's going to be able to rebound immediately. You know, he's going to be tough. He's going to be physical inside. Uh, Bam out of bio out of Kentucky. Continue the Kentucky pipeline to Sacramento. Uh, I I really would like that fit as well. Tough kid can really move is athletic and tough. Um, You know, depending on what you think of Ivan Rab, Ivan Rab isn't necessarily like super physical, but he's an awesome rebounder and he's really positionally sound defensively. So I think that that would also make a little bit of sense.
0: Awesome. Okay. So, well, thanks for joining me. This is a, I, I think it's the first time that we've had you on, which is absolutely shocking. I've had a podcast for, I don't know, seven <laughs> years, um, but a uh, great conversation. And where can people find you just so they know, you know, where to, where to find Sam Bassini? Yeah, go
1: to Sam underscore Vicini, V-E-C-E-N-I-E, on Twitter.com. Uh, you can find me at The Sporting News. You can find me once a week at Vice. Um, and yeah, go follow my podcast, The Game Theory Podcast. So uh, you can find me in a wide variety of places. I'm sure I'll be gearing up here for draft season.
0: All right, Sam. Thanks so much for joining us. Welcome back to the NBC Sports Kings Insider Podcast, brought to you by Max Muscle. I am James Ham. Joining me as always, Mr. Aaron Bruski of hoop com. AB. We are back.
2: Yeah, man. Yeah, that felt like a long time, but it really wasn't.
0: It so, really was. So there was, you go. It, it felt longer than it was, like cuz I, I looked and it wasn't that long ago that we recorded podcast, but I got sick last week and uh I was in no mood to podcast all week. I had a cold and was hacking and my I'm still nothing but like one giant snot, you know. It's just, but it is what it is. I mean, sorry, folks, uh, but we have so much ground to cover, Aaron. We got a little That's bit. That's why
2: it also feels like a long time ago because the King's universe just shifted. It you shifted. Know, that, that was and shifted. then, and this is now.
0: Yeah, it just kept shifting. You know, um, I, I don't know. It's it's been a wild, like fourteen days. It, it has, and
2: and I. Funnily watched the Kings fans on Twitter that I follow the same folks that I'm sure you follow getting prepared for like the worst possible thing that could happen during the draft lottery and um, That didn't happen. Yeah, lo and behold. I mean, we'll talk about the the pick swaps and everything but What a huge game changer for this franchise and um, it's been a long time since you know uh, The the team announced that they were staying or the, the announcement that they were staying this is easily the best news of the last 10 years, maybe, I think.
0: Yeah, I it, on the basketball side, I, I think you're probably right. You know, uh, this was uh, it was a ground-shaking moment for the team. Um, so let's just make sure everyone understands the process. The Sacramento Kings went into the draft with 8th and 10th uh, best chances of landing in the top three. Um, the 10th pick is the Pelicans' pick. If they land in the top three, they lost it. That didn't happen. Uh, when you know, of course, the NBA draft lottery they start at fourteen and they start reviewing, revealing these giant like one foot by one foot cards. Uh, was it Rich Cho who was holding them? Who who was holding those up? I don't know, man. That, I, I was I of... was at Oracle, so I I was just watching on the screen. Yeah, yeah, he was there. Um, that was
2: the the most somber group of representatives that I've seen in a long time. They all look like somebody either farted and they really really didn't like it or they just had like a really bad day heading into that thing
0: and then dave yeager looks i don't know at least five years younger than he looked at the end of the season i'm not sure i'm not sure uh, coach if you wash that gray right out of your hair or what but you look good you look like you lost some weight uh you look like the stress of the season had been lifted off of you um but then espn has has the nerve To throw up there, (laughs) Kings with a 0.0% chance of winning the first overall pick.
2: There's somebody at ESPN that's either a Lakers fan or, like, a Seattle Sonics fan. Because they just always throw the salt. I just
0: wanted to see, like, Dave Yeager, like, kick me in the jimmy! You know, just, like, it was horrible. Like, ouch. Like,
2: could they have put, like, a digital dunce cap on, like, the Kings logo or something? I don't know. That was... That was great.
0: I guess. So I'm sitting there at Oracle. Uh, I'm in a media area by myself there. But some fans are kind of like standing around watching the draft TV, the TV where the draft is playing, where the, the draft lottery is playing. And I'm sitting there watching and it goes to 10. And, I, you know, I'm sitting there working on a tweet saying, uh, oh, the Kings retain the the Pelicans pick. But then it, th- it popped into my head. Oh, I can't do that because it was conceivable that the kings could have jumped into the top three at number ten and fallen back to number ten with the eight, so I stopped and I'm like, oh well, that's not i I, I can't I can't do anything even when he got all the way up to five and that's when you you figured out what had happened but and then you had to wait and see what one two and three was but still there was there was a moment where. The worst – one of the worst possible scenarios could have happened where they could have lost their pick and moved down two spots. Uh So I was sitting there like, oh, I got I to gotta wait for a sec. And, and then when they don't show up at 8, it was like, oh, my gosh. I looked at these people I don't even know. I'm like, the Kings moved up. <laughs> and they just look at me. I don't even know if they spoke English. I, I don't know. They just looked at me like I was crazy, and I just go back to the TV, and I'm sitting here looking, at and all of a sudden – they get to five, and that's where the Kings pop up. And as soon as it popped up at five, you understood they had five and ten. They're keeping both picks, uh, and that they had landed in the top three, and the dreaded pick swap had, had happened.
2: <laughs> so I'm sorry. It's too it's, great. It's Kings. It's too great.
0: It is. It is like uh, so typical of this uh, – of just the way things work out for this franchise – that the one time since 1989 you actually move into the top three uh, when you're not supposed to. I, I When they drafted Billy Owens, number three overall, I think they were supposed to be the third pick. And it went in order, one, two, three. Um, but this is the only other time that they've actually moved up since. And it was 1989 was the last time. And And the Kings have been in the lottery in, since 1989. They've been in the lottery so many times, it's ridiculous. I mean, there's only eight years where they weren't actually in the lottery. And how many years is that? What, like twenty-eight? So twenty other years, they they basically either fell or stayed where they were supposed to stay. And so you're well, sitting, watching it that's, unfold. Well, that's ahead.
2: why the that's why the Kings fans were were preparing for the worst because they should prepare with the, with, for the worst. With this, yeah, they were they actually approached it like veterans. I thought you know just reading the tweets, that I thought they were perfectly mentally prepared heading into the the lottery. Um, you know that that the worst could have happened and they would have just taken it in stride you know, like the true professionals that they are, but yeah, this is the only way you can explain it is Kang's like this stuff. If it's, if it's crazy, if it's wild, if it doesn't make any sense, it is guaranteed to happen to this franchise. So, I mean, it all unfolded and I guess I'll throw a couple words in on that, that trade. Like I think a lot of people have been piling on that trade. Uh, I think we were pretty favorable on it when it happened. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I, I, I still, I don't like the way that the, the, the policy was executed where, um, you know, the, the you know, the Rondo pick for one, um, you know, but the idea that coming off of that chaotic season that you would try to improve to keep your franchise player wanting to play there and and going out and getting veterans and trying to move the ball forward in that regard, that to me wasn't a bad idea. Now, the pick swap execution, you know, we've heard a lot about that for the last couple years and kind of the how and why and, and almost how that was like an add on to the deal. Yeah, you know, I think in hindsight, I probably would change my position a little bit on that was something I don't like to do all that often. But I'm you know, with looking, you. Uh, lo- looking back and, and just kind of, you know, reassessing the whole thing, especially in light of how they executed the policy. I mean, Rondo was a train wreck. And then, you know, that entire season was a train wreck. So what did you get out of that well, you got the five pick instead of the three pick. But still, and you know, you, Kings you, fans. you your
0: 2019 pick, which could be a top five pick. I mean, right. the Kings could be in the position the Nets were in, um, you know, this last night. They could be in that position in two years where, you know, a top three pick, a, a top one pick, you just don't know, ends up being, you know, going directly to another team. and that And that's brutal. But again, it was a thirty. I think we figured out what thirty-three million dollar cash dump, and to have Nick Stauskas go on Twitter and say something about it, it's like (laughs) it's like, hey there, uh, Corey Haim from License to Drive. The Kings not only did they (laughs) did they give you away, but they also threw in two pick swaps and a number one to get rid of you. So I don't think I would be the one like dancing over there, doing your, uh, your sauce Castillo, uh, you know, cha-cha that it just, I mean, come on, dude. Like they had to, in order to make that deal work, they had to throw you in and they didn't even blink doing it. Like, come on. So anyway,
2: but, but, but the thing is seeing kind of the jubilation on Twitter of, of the Kings fans realizing they have options. Oh god, big, yeah. Big options. And seeing that really I, I don't know that I've seen the Kings fans be that happy in, in, in a very long time. And so it, to, for me, somebody that's covered this team for something like six, seven years now or whatever it's been, it's been rare and, and it was very nice to see Kings fans enjoy that moment.
0: Yeah, I, I think the other thing I'll point out too is that uh Everyone inside the Kings, they were planning on drafting at 8 and 10. They were actually, they've had contingencies. They they know where they want to be and what they want to do in this draft. And, uh, and we're going to, you know, that's going to be a topic of discussion here over the next couple of weeks, really what they want to do with that pick. And the biggest thing, their biggest target from what I know is they have to find their franchise point guard. And, and I, I agree with that 100%. I actually believe that the M- the way the NBA has changed, that the franchise point guard is probably the most important thing that you can possibly find. Now, I don't know they're going to be able to get that at 5. I think they, they're praying that, they, that De'Aaron Fox will fall to them at 5. But Philly at number 3 is a wild card. And I don't know that Philly can pass up on Josh Jackson. He's just too good of a talent. Um, but if they do... I- I think they, uh, well. <laughs> or Jason Tatum. I, I Both of those guys. And I, I think the Kings have to take the approach of this. We need a point guard and a small forward. Well,
2: it kind of depends on what the Lakers do.
0: Oh, I don't think the Lakers are going to do anything but what they're supposed to do. Are you you're talking Lonzo Ball? Yeah, I don't think they're going to do anything but Lonzo Ball. I, I just don't they, see they it.
2: Got, that decision there is harder than I think people are making it out to be.
0: I think the decision in number one is difficult. And, you know, I talked to, uh, on the front half of the podcast, we talked to Sam Vicini from uh, um, the Sporting News, and I thought he, like, he shot down the notion that anyone would do anything at number one but draft Fultz. But if I'm Boston, and I've got Isaiah Thomas, and I know I've got him under contract next year, nothing, but... I, they can lock him up this this summer to a massive extension. Um, I would realistically consider not, you know, moving away from Isaiah or not drafting his replacement and going with Josh Jackson because I think Jackson is just a tremendous talent that you put him at that small forward spot with that team. And oh my
2: gosh, I was thinking about that same thing because. I mean, obviously, that's a huge story. And and Boston's draft picks just in general is a huge storyline for the NBA. Um, and people want to know, can Isaiah play with somebody looking over, uh, having to look over his shoulder at the new guy? I think he can, because I think he's at a point in his career where he's got the respect and he's got, you know, there's nobody in Boston is going to take the ball out of his hands. You know, he would have to fall, you know, very far in terms of his play for him to not be the primary option in, in Boston. So I don't see that being so much an issue, but you're right. Like, you know, Jay Crowder to me is somebody that, um, while he's he's above value right now, you know, there's some injury concerns. There's some how is his game going to change as he gets older and less explosive. Um, is he going to be able to be a long term fit for a championship squad there? I, I love the the player. I just don't know if if the fit there and if you can draft somebody like Josh Jackson and and um get even more athletic out yeah. there on the wings. Um though he Jackson's got that that shot kind of scares me a little bit with him. Like yeah, the mechanics not, of it are, are aren't great.
0: I don't you care. Just- I mean I think he works so perfectly with Isaiah because Isaiah can play off the ball as well. I think he complements other players really well. And I think his shot is is a question sure but I don't think Jay Crowder is just like an overwhelming three-point – I mean he's a decent a quality three-point shooter, but it's not like you're – he's the greatest three and D threat in the game. I think he's a really nice – like what you said, he's a very good value player, and I, he's a quality NBA player. But He's more of a four. I think he,
2: if his long-term yeah. value is he's more of a four. So you can afford to bring in a Jackson and, and have that space there. You throw Jackson and, and Jalen Brown there at the three – you know that that starts to get real nasty real fast um
0: yeah i think they have a lot of options and you know i don't think that they i don't i don't think they should be sold at number 1 um and then what does that mean if somehow fultz isn't the number 1 overall pick then it doesn't matter what the lakers well, i mean the lakers take him number 2 let's play the,
2: let's play this out a little bit too if you're boston let's say they get just walloped 40 sweep by by cleveland what if internally, and I don't think they're going to make this decision, but what if internally they go, and you hear this all the time, and it's mind-numbingly bad, but why would we give Isaiah Thomas $200 million? You know, and it's clearly somebody that doesn't understand how good he is that might say that, but what if they do get those cold feet, you know, and and then they decide, let's draft Fultz and either try to trade Isaiah or play this in a way, you know, where, where they either can market the number one pick they can just wiggle and and what what would a, another team trying to go out there and get an Isaiah? I think he if he's ever going to be available, he could be available at this point in time. But Isaiah. then Boston. Yeah. But Boston would have to be aware. Boston would have to not want to pay him 200 mil and they would want they would have to be sold that, that Fultz is the guy. I just don't think that's going to happen. I think you're going to hear a lot of people try to push that narrative. But I just don't think Boston's going to bite at all.
0: Yeah, that's what Sam said on the front half. Sam said, like, look, if you're the Celtics, you have to be looking at the post-LeBron James era, which right. is coming. And so if you can have Fultz be the guy ready to take over at that point, he, he said the same thing. He's like, I wouldn't be shocked if Isaiah was moved this summer. Like, this is the time to move him because he's such a value uh, for anyone. And then you're going to have to pay him. But if you get him in the right spot, you know, so if he goes to the Lakers and you're able to get a haul from the Lakers, which I don't know that you can get much of a haul from the Lakers at this point, um, but then you you draft Fultz, I I mean, I don't don't think that they would give up the second overall pick for for Isaiah Thomas. I, I don't think they would do that. Um, but if they it would kind of cons-
2: comes back to the undervaluing of Isaiah Thomas, just kind of in general around the league, but if like, they would consider you-
0: that I, I would, I would trade Isaiah to the Lakers and have number one and number two overall and, and give them something else to like sweeten the deal. And, and then, you know, basically allow the Lakers to, to build around Isaiah. And, and again, this is all like speculative and crazy, but to draft Josh Jackson and, and L. Fultz number one, Josh Jackson, number two, and. Now you're you should be set up to to compete, but you're taking a massive step back. Massive. Well,
2: it, the the other thing. So okay. So that's one. Now two, you know, um, you have to decide what you think of D'Angelo Russell if you're the Lakers. The locals there, you know, the local blogosphere, they don't want to give up on him. They want to see if he can play off the ball. They're almost foreseeing the Lonzo Ball, you know, acquisition. They're as they crazy. I, I just, I don't see it. Like, I'm with you. I don't see that at all. I
0: don't, I don't see a guy who's all about, he's all about the basketball life. He's not all about basketball. And that's a big deal. And the people who don't understand that, I, I'm sorry, but like Buddy Healed, he works his butt off every day because he's all about the basketball. He doesn't live the basketball lifestyle with, you know, worrying about, you know, what car he's driving and and how much bling he has and all that stuff. That's not, I mean, that's what you're looking for. And that's why, I mean we're going to get to this, but that's why I think the Kings have put a giant red circle around De'Aaron Fox because he is all about the hoop. And he's under, I mean, what is he, 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, he's a good-sized point guard, but he weighs like 167 I, I pounds. I guess right? what I'm
2: nibbling at is what if it just goes crazy, you know, at the top of this draft? And, and to me, I don't know that Lonzo Ball is like a lock at two. You know, I, if he I, falls I, to
0: I, the Kings at three, they jump all over him. I mean, at five, they jump all over
2: him. Oh, absolutely. He, I think he's a good fit for the Kings. Um, but I, the team, you know, the team's ahead of them. Um, you know, will L.A. bite? I mean, every this is they're gonna people are gonna lock him into L.A. Probably from yesterday on, and then, you know, does he get past Phoenix at four? I, 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 I the Josh Jackson, I think I, I would probably. Best player available, take him over Lonzo Ball. That's that's just a gut thing right now, and I'd like to do more film research before I really really anchor myself to that. I think he makes but, more
0: sense for the Lakers. Although again, I think Lonzo Ball can be can be really really good. Well, and then you've got this
2: question of what do you do with Tatum? You know, like I I, I think Tatum's best years are going to be years one through four in in, in his
0: career. Tatum is is uh, again to. Go back to Sam. He said he's probably the most developed offensive talent in the draft and and probably one of the more de- developed offensive talents to come in the league in a while.
2: He reminds me of Carmelo Anthony without some of the stylistic things and maybe without the assertiveness offensively. Probably definitely not as good. You know it, what he –
0: uh, the way that he described him, he reminded me of Rudy Gay.
2: Yeah, I saw a lot of that as well in the film. and yeah. My questions of drafting him is, like, I don't think his game lasts longer than three, four years. I think in five, six, seven, eight, and nine, he really starts to have trouble with getting to his spots and, and hanging on the defensive side. So, you
0: hmm. know, you kind of know. Just in general? Just because of injuries? Because I, I
2: just don't see the explosion in his game, and I, and I don't see how he's going to do anything other than kind of like what you see right now out of Carmelo, where he can still score. But it's not bending the defense it's it's a labor um, a laborious process. and that it's unfortunate because he does have a lot of talent, but if, if you don't have that that speed and the explosion, you know you're really just becoming a jump shooter. And then the question is is can you defend your position? I think he's a four long term. Um, but I do think in the first four years of his career, he's gonna be very good. yeah, so um, that's you kind of just I think he deserves to go high, and I th- I just wonder though with this group between him and Lonzo Ball, you know I think those are two players that are capable of falling, and and what would it be if those guys you know landed, and I think they actually are good fits for the Kings, so I think the Kings might luck into if those guys do fall, they might luck into a, a pick that they probably didn't think they were going to luck into, even knowing they have the five pick, um, but then the big conversation of course is Fox.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think the issue that you have is that Philadelphia, it, it's almost, it's kind of strange. Philadelphia would have been better off at five and then Kings better off at three because I think Philadelphia uh, could use Monk and they could use Tatum. Um, but Fox is, I don't know if he's the right style of point guard for what they're trying to do, no, especially because not. He, he can't, sh- he, he's not a great shooter early in his career. So they need a
2: shooting defender. That's what they need.
0: Well, yeah, but I don't know if that's well.
2: I mean, yeah, I mean, that's what happens when you get into the business of these awkward players, Yeah. you know, um, Ben Simmons, like, yeah, okay. You're going to handle the ball. Great. You can't shoot. That's a problem. You can't defend your position. You know, if you're going to play one, somebody else has got to defend another one somewhere. It's it gets a little lopsided there. Um, Yeah. But, yeah, De'Aaron Fox, I'm, I'm – he's definitely worth the pick. And he's definitely somebody that I also think could start from, from day one. And I also think that he could be a guy that makes the Kings' lives a lot easier in terms of free agency. Yep. I, I think he's a very strong pick at five. Um, he reminds me a lot of DeJounte Murray, but he's already better. And Dejounte Murray. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah, he's not as shifty. He's more in line than than Murray, but yeah, I think he's already substantially better. Uh, plus, you know, he's left-handed, which that's actually substantial as well. I, that that's big. Um, trying to guard a left-handed point guard is not easy.
2: There's a number of things that are that are good about that situation. He's um, he's going to get great leadership at, at whether you're talking. On the floor with guys like Garrett Temple, off the floor with guys like Dave Yeager and his staff. You know, you look at some of the stuff that he does poorly, and it just screams Coach Cal. Like, yeah, <laughs> there is no coaching going on here. You know, no, we're just—it's
0: that it, he he has one guy who runs at the rim. That's what he has. He always has. It's Derrick Rose. It's Tyree Evans. You just go back, and it's every single guy. He always has one guy. Who runs at the rim at at the point guard position? He tries to pair him with a shooter. Uh, he has a rim runner that on the defensive end, you know, the Willie Collie Steins of the world, and then he has the most talented big man that you can possibly find in the world next to that guy. And that's how he builds his teams. I mean, it's very specific, and he changes those guys to the back uh, to the, to the backboard and doesn't let them leave the post. And so, uh, I really, I think. Fox probably has a lot more game than what we've seen. I like him. And I also know he would like to come Sacramento. He would like to step in and instantly have a role with the team. And then it really does make things different with who you want to, who you want to resign or who you want to, you know, put with him. Does, will Ty Ty Lawson consider coming back to play with De'Aaron Fox? Um, because Ty Lawson knows that De'Aaron Fox is coming in playing 30 minutes a night and that leaves 18 minutes for you. Um, so I mean, it, it's going to be it's going to be an interesting sort of uh, I don't know, trial and error here for the Kings as they move I, I, forward.
2: I just think it, it the pick makes too much sense. Um, you know, I can pick apart his game. You know, talk about you know <laughs> questions about the jump shot or you know just how will he develop long term. But even in, when we start to approach some of those you know, the issues of being light, finishing in traffic, you know, ability to use both hands all of that stuff, um, you know, his physical profile, he's got hops. And so he might follow along the lines of a lot of thin players that they get their their muscle and they don't lose their quickness. And, and yeah. that is is a really good thing for for his future. Um, but in a, in a market where the point guard position is woefully light and, and not wanting to have to spend in that market, I mean, to be able to just – Hopefully the Kings can re-sign one of Darren Collison or Ty, Ty Lawson to a sensible deal, and whether or not Jaeger wants to install them as the starter and and make Fox earn it, or do you just say, you know what, we're just going to go with it? Go young. Um, the, the only there there is one other problem I'd point out: him and Buddy will not be able to defend at, at, together long-term uh,
0: I think they'll be okay I mean I, I think Buddy isn't a isn't going to be a great defender regardless of who you put him with and, and I think you know if you if you listen to Bogdanovich as well um he sort of seemed to think he's coming over to to play major minutes if he oh, is coming boy. over <laughs> he thinks he's coming over and I mean sort of the the I'm not coming here to, to sit on the bench mentality um I, I think that's going to be a battle between those, you know, if, if Bogdan does come over, it's going to be a battle at the two, um, you know, and, and I fully expect Garrett Temple to be in there as well in that discussion. But again, we get back to the, you need Buddy Hill shooting, or you need Bogdanovich shooting next to Fox because he's not a great shooter. And then, you know, again, you're going to have to figure out what to do at the four, I mean, at the three, uh, and you still need, I mean, this team needs pieces. It, it needs a lot of pieces still.
2: I think the shooting thing can be worked through. I mean, just looking at a stroke, like it's it's got some some issues, but it's not so broken that I don't think it can be fixed.
0: Yeah, everyone and, says his his shot looks good. He just doesn't have the strength, the stamina, the whatever you want to call it, because he's so light, slight of a build, uh, to have it be consistent, especially late in games. So it's something they believe can be worked through.
2: And at this point in time, I don't think there should be any. Like I think the Kings have a lot of flexibility here. They can take a look at offers, um, but moving up, I think, is that's off the table, right?
0: I don't know that moving up is off the table, because if I'm at number five, I could do one of two things. I could try to get to three and see how much that will cost me, and I don't know what that's going to cost. Or I can sit back at five and take whichever player is remaining, because I think there's a solid top five in this draft and maybe and there's a possibility for someone to make some wild move to bring in uh monk or to bring in uh Mark in in into that top five there there's some weird ways that that could happen but if the the real problem the kings have is that philly does need a point guard at number two i mean at number three and i don't think Phoenix needs a point guard. I think they're more than happy to say, okay, we'll take whoever's left between Tatum and Jackson at number at number four. They're very, very comfortable doing that. But then the Kings are going to have to hope that the draft goes Jackson, Tatum, and then Fox. So they'll have Fox at three at five. And so I, I really, I mean, I don't think it's off the table though. I think there's going to be a lot of discussions on who's taking who. And then once it gets closer to draft time, and in the last couple of hours you're going to have to see what it takes to get uh from from 5 to 3. The Kings I don't believe are going to give up their 10th pick to move up, but if you get your point guard, I wouldn't be totally shocked to see the Kings you know consider moving that number 10 pick. Uh but I, I don't know. I mean there's I, I, it's a deep draft. At-
2: yeah, well, I think the Kings have a nice, nice thing going on with the ten pick. I, I actually I like Collins over Markinen. Um, I see the I see the Markkinen appeal. It's it's you know, very Dirkish and very Porzingis ish. Um, yeah. for him to be able to fire threes like that, um, I just wonder is he going to be able to defend. I, I want if my my the only thing I would worry about in in the pre draft process with that guy is I want to know how tough he is. Because that's the thing that makes Porzingis Porzingis is, is that dude, you know, does not care one bit <laughs> about what you think of him. He's going to get in there and fight. And, you know, that makes him a different player with some of his deficiencies being light. And he's filled out a lot. But the, um, with um and I, I don't know if I've seen that out of him on film. But Collins, I think, so the Kings need more bulk on the interior. And expecting somebody at 10 to come in and really be a difference maker, I think, is expecting too much. Um, Papa Giannis is, is probably on the high end of how much bulk you want to have down there. And, and I think Collins would be kind of a nice in between where, where you get the thin towers that, you know, are more rangy and are going to have trouble with some of the big guys down low. I think that Collins might be able to come in and, and carry his weight down there a little bit. But- I, I
0: would prefer a wing. With that pick, and it, and it might be that uh, you know, like I've heard, like the Kings could choose who's going to be left between uh, Markin and N, um, uh, Isaac, which could fall right. the ten, uh, and Collins. I think John Collins is also another guy that they could look at, who is a very, very highly skilled big, and then uh, OG Onabu. Uh, who I think has, uh, he, he tore an ACL so that he's not going to be able to work out for anyone and he's going to be out for a little while. Uh, But six, eight with incredible athleticism, uh, very raw offensively. um, But a seven foot, two and a quarter wingspan. Um, You're looking at like a, a true, you know, initially a a defensive stopper at the wing that could develop into something more because he's got a ton of athleticism. Um,
2: and you could move back into the value that you see fit. If if small forward, power forward is really what you want to focus on, and the Kings should be.
0: Yeah, focusing yeah. On
2: that frankly, they should be. Um, yeah, I think any of those. You could probably turn ten into something else. You know, twelve and twelve and some change, um, and, yeah. and get the guy that you want.
0: Yeah, and people need to keep in mind that the Kings don't have a 2019 draft pick because of the Philadelphia pick. uh, uh, the Philadelphia trade. Um, so I wouldn't be horribly shocked to see the Kings like start to try to leverage some other pieces. So if you do believe that, uh, that Papi Giannis can play serious minutes, um, and I'll also point this out too. Don't forget the Kings also have the 34th pick in the draft. It's an early second rounder where I think they could really strike gold with a guy like Caleb Swanigan. Uh, and and there's going to be some other guys that are going to be around that area. Jordan Bell, that's where I would go for my banger to put next to, uh, to bring off the bench behind Scal. Um, I would even like, was Alan Williams from, uh, from Phoenix. That's a guy that I would love to get my hands on if I were the Kings, um, or a player like that, a Kyle O'Quinn type, a guy who beats on people who can hit a little jump shot, who can, who can rebound and, you know
2: maybe you mean like Quincy AC well yeah a, a
0: little <laughs> bit like Quincy mess. AC yeah but with I, you want guys. A, I want a bigger I want a bigger version of like Quincy AC six foot seven I want a little bit bigger stronger uh you know shove you around in the post type guy
2: yeah Alan Williams would be a great comp for that um yeah
0: yeah, uh, and, I, I don't and I think, think he'll Caleb Swanigan. Like no, but, but I think Caleb Swanigan is that guy. He's a very similar, and Swanigan falls to the second. round. There's
2: always value in that section of the draft as well. I yeah, mean yeah. that 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 people are trying to get those picks as well. By the way, you know, because of what they can do with an early second round pick in terms of contracts and such. So yeah. it's um, I I think the Kings have a lot of options in this draft. Um, even if you want to try to go out and get some veteran players, you know there's yeah. there's gonna be. Teams that that view those assets as slightly over market and you know if the Kings would be they don't want to be too young you know they can they could try to yeah. bring in veterans that way or um, you know with the salary cap situation being the way that it is you know they they need to find good short term contracts that are you know nice nice and overvalued right now not swinging for the fences long term. Um, just to kind of get through these next two years where they're definitely not competing, but they want to try to bring the level of play up on the floor.
0: Yeah, and I'm also looking if I, you know, if you think Poppy Giannis can play minutes this year and you think Cully stein and Scowl and, and you might add a guy in free agency or late, um, I'd also look and see if you believe that, what does that mean for Costa uh, Kufis? And does that mean, you know, that you're going to be shopping him around draft time? what can you get for costa can you get a a first round pick in the 20s for costa uh and, and then what can you do with that can you package that with 10 to move up uh can you package that with 10 and maybe one of your extra wings that you're about to have um to move you know back into the top 6 the top 5 um you know that that type of stuff well you can't really move in the top 5 because you have the fifth the fifth the fifth pick, the fifth pick you know if someone else is is willing to listen um, and needs more assets, you know, hey, uh, if I can get again, if I can get another a pick in the twenties, uh, maybe throw in Malachi Richardson and, and see if Phoenix would move from ten uh, from four to ten, and and I've got to give up some extra assets to do that, but I come away with both my small forward and my point guard to build around then man
2: (laughs) you're gonna see Phoenix fans go crazy if they do that
0: well I mean yeah but Phoenix was willing to move up last year they might I'm not
2: saying it's outside the realm of possibility those guys will do anything over there
0: yeah I mean they're listening they're they're trying to improve their club just like anyone else is and if you if you think you're more assets away and uh, you think that you've got a small Ford that can hold down the the Ford for a couple of years
2: well we'll throw another scenario out there you got Eric Bledsoe over there and and they've got Tyler Eulis. I don't know how serious Tyler Eulis' ankle injury is, but I think Eulis has got a special future. You know, he's got explosion. He's yeah. got the ability to be not dead dead weight on the defensive end. I think he could be a pesky defender, but his um <laughs> ability to
0: have you ever seen the, the imitation guy do Tyler Eulis playing defense?
2: No. Did he do that?
0: Oh yeah, he does. Uh, Tyler Eulis <laughs> it, it's very strange. Tyler Eulis. Turns around and hits you with his butt, even when you're on the perimeter. He like backs you down from way outside when he's on the defensive end, and it's like, yeah, just watch film of Tyler Eulis playing defense. It's that, very strange. It's like I haven't,
2: I haven't seen that. So was it, it would be Dot a Dot or, or whatever his I name don't know is? Whatever
0: the, that guy is, the guy who does James Harden and all the other guys. Yeah, he's hilarious.
2: Well, um, but so point being though is so I I think with Bledsoe they might look at him and say he's not on our on our track. Like, you know, we're not competing anytime soon. And he's got major injury concerns. So if you have a point guard in Tyler Uless that you're comfortable with and they should be, then I think that makes this all that. I think this draft might have the most pop that we've seen in a while in terms of trades and wow moments and and lots of mental things to kind of work through. If you're a GM, and scenarios, and so I, I think there's going to be a lot to talk about over the next few weeks.
0: Yeah, and again, one of the the nuances that I would t- with the Phoenix deal is I think any Phoenix deal that it would include their top four pick, which I'm not saying that they'll they'll trade their four pick. I'm just saying any deal that would include that, you're going to have to take Brand, uh, Brandon Knight back and his and his 45 million owed. And I I mean it is what but it you is. you know
2: they, they might look at that and say nobody wants it. Let's just keep it. And 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 now you get more playing time. And and we'll get rid of the, the asset that looks good right now because because Eric Bledsoe looks good right now as an asset, which is not 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 typically how he looks when he's hurt. So <laughs> I think that they might if they're smart, they might sell high with him and then just keep the asset that's underwater, which yeah. is Brandon Knight, and, and just give him twenty five minutes per game, have him play well. Now you got another asset you can go deal.
0: Maybe. Okay, so the last thing uh Aaron we gotta talk about is uh um, I told you so. I told I, I told you people so. Ru, Rudy, Rudy Gay was. This opting is,
2: this, out. is this a segment now? I Ru, told you so.
0: <laughs> Rudy Gay, Rudy Gay was opting I out. I be my segment. I, I told all of you that Rudy Gay was opting out, and whether you believe me or not, Rudy Gay. Opting. I
2: said the same thing, so I told you so too, people.
0: Rudy Gay is opting out. So, um, yeah, he gone. Um, but. Everything I know is that the Kings are going to leave a door open. That if he doesn't get the type of offers that he would like to get, that uh, they wouldn't uh, close the door. They would listen if if he wants to come back at a reasonable two or three year deal. And um, you know, again, Rudy Gay is good people. He's a good teammate. Um, you know, he he's still a very high quality play, player. Uh, he would still probably be the best player on the Sacramento Kings. Uh, for for next season um and maybe the season after that and I wouldn't go that far I, I don't know I don't know it, it it's it's within question um but I don't think the door is closed but he is opting out for sure we know that now um and I,
2: I guess so. my question for him would be or, or just this this the the topic of him would be is he gonna play within the flow of the offense because if he's not I don't think there's a spot for him.
0: That I, that would what, be though, my question. Every team needs an ISO player that can that can score in a crunch. I mean, look at what uh, ISO. But is Joe, he going to be able to do that? Yeah, but look what ISO Joe meant to to Utah this year. Like thirty six year old ISO Joe. I, I
2: I just think it's fair, and it's no no knock on Rudy because this is a serious injury. You know, look at Wes Matthews in in the first year, and and it's he struggled this second year. Yeah, he as played well.
0: seventy eight games is the first year. The second year, actually, I think he broke down a little bit.
2: Yeah, he did, and I think that you know there's some athleticism issues at play, yep. and and that makes it t- and it's hard with that particular Dallas squad because there's not a lot of playmakers there, so he doesn't get the space that he might have gotten say in Portland.
0: And um, I think but, being a shooting guard versus a two guard uh, versus a small forward actually has a huge bearing well, as well. I, I think small I, forward you don't have to be as athletic as you do. There's a
2: different. there's a fit for Rudy on this squad because the Kings need the the hybrid three four, and so. Um, you know, I think that yeah, he could absolutely take a, a team friendly deal and, and make that work. Now, will there be some other market out there that wants to give him, say, I don't know, three years at, you know, fifteen to eighteen a pop? I think there there probably uh, could
0: be. I don't think there's gonna be that, but I, I think there's a two year twenty five waiting for him out there somewhere with maybe a third year team option. Um, I, I don't know. I, I that, think it would
2: be logical. But then again, when is free agency logical?
0: Yeah, that's true. But I, I mean, his agent has to, has to be right here in this situation, or he's really, really killed Rudy Gay. Cause if Rudy Gay has to go play for the league minimum for the Los Angeles Clippers next year, which w- I think would be like spectacular. I think he'd be a perfect fit if, if they put their team back together as of right now, I don't know. They're going to put their team back together. Um, but if, if he did go down there and play, um, You know, you play for the league minimum once, you're now pretty much a league minimum player. Except for Rondo, which was able to make a bunch of money off of it. Oh, no, he didn't play for the minimum. He put, played for $10 million in tech. Um, nine, either 9 or $10. Uh, but, you know, for the most part, once you go uh, league minimum, you never go back. And so I, I don't see him taking that kind of money to go fit on a championship roster. I think he believes he's two or three years away from being that guy. I think
2: your prediction, I, I, we do this. I do this every year. I will predict what the contracts will be and, and decide for myself if somebody is over or under value. Um, if I had to guess right now, I think he will get a three year times 15, um, Whew. offer. So that's Whew. 45 right there. Whew. And then he's going to turn down. uh what is he turning down this year? Um, Fourteen point four, right? 14.2. So I, I think 2. the math on that is, you know,
0: I oh, think no, it he can makes go out. Either way. Yeah.
2: yeah, I think. That, well, but here's the thing, though: if he plays, say, say he likes, he gets a good positive hit from the Kings, and this is the why the reason why he's going to opt out is the Kings control his market value. If they don't want him to play, he won't play. If you know, or to the level that he wants to play, if he's not a good fit, he's not going to be a great. He won't have a great marketing year next year, and that's why. He's got to go look elsewhere. Um, I, but if the Kings come back and they don't draft a, a, a ready-made small forward right now, they say, "Hey, you're going to start. You're going to play 28 minutes. Be one of our primary scorers. You know, get out there and, and make your money. Have a career or have a contract year with us next year. Fulfill a need, and you know, then go get your next deal. Which he could go out and get instead of you know three at 15. Maybe he can go get three at 20 or or, or three yeah. at 18.
0: Yeah, but a- they've after already getting his money this year. He's already informed the team he's opting out though.
2: Yeah, no, no. He's definitely out. But I, I don't mean know, if I he think... were to
0: sign back with a with like a one year deal with the Kings. Something of that nature, yes. Yeah. I I don't see it. I, I mean if he comes back with the Kings it's on a two or three year deal. Um I, I don't see it. I, I think he's uh he's gonna go chase rings and uh you know, he doesn't wanna be part of a, a, My... a complete rebuild and, and I wish him well. I think he's a great dude and I like him. I like his wife. Uh you know, he's got giant giant boys that are little that have been, you know, while he's uh while he's been a player here, he's had two kids. Um I, I wish him nothing but the best, but I don't think he'll be back in the Kings uniform.
2: A one-year deal, a two-year deal with a player um option might be what the market gives him. That yeah. that's the other thing is we don't know he's saying all the right things. This is the right strategy it's, it's a tough one. I mean, you got to feel like he can still play. He's going to have to show it in these workouts. And and if he looks good in the workouts, I think he'll, he could get up to the three years. Um, but if not, if it's shady at all, I think he gets a one year prove it deal. And then, then, then he tries his market value the following year.
0: That's possible. All right. So, uh, I, I don't know. Um, I, we're just about to final thoughts, Aaron, do you have any final thoughts?
2: No, man. I feel like we could talk about this all day, but we, we do have to see how a lot of this stuff plays out. Yeah, And um, there will be quite a bit of this talk over the next couple of weeks. So I think it's gonna be a fun couple of weeks for Kings fans.
0: I think so too. Um, I, I guess I'll finish with this. Um, Chad Ford blew up the Kings. Um, <laughs>
2: sorry. Sorry. Go
0: on. He went dirty on, on the Kings and I'm not going to speculate on who gave him information or whatever. And, and all I'm going to say is like, look, Chad Ford reported what people told him, and I'm not saying that's his prerogative. Um, I I went around and I called a lot of agents. Um, only a handful got back to me, but that's just the way that this works. Uh, they're all busy. They're all flying back from the Combine over the weekend. So, I mean, I was able to get... Uh, Aaron Mintz uh, from CAA and uh, BJ Armstrong and a couple other people from other people's camps, uh, and they gave me a different story than what I than what Chad Ford said. And Chad Ford basically said no one in the top twenty is going to come work out for the Kings. I know that is not a fact at all. Uh, CAA has four to five players in the top twenty. Uh, all of them will would will, will be working out for the Kings. Um, because the Kings have the 10th pick in the draft and they, and they also have the fifth pick, but they have a lot of players that would fit around that 10th pick. Um, I know De'Aaron Fox said he would love to come to Sacramento and work out. Uh, I know that, uh, Markel Foltz's people would absolutely love him to be in Sacramento. Uh, they think that he is a basketball lifer guy. And it's a perfect place that's low-key and allows him to focus on basketball and not get caught up in the drama that happens in some big cities when you're a 19-year-old kid making millions. Um, So my point is, I I know I've talked to other agents, too, that said, yes, our clients will or would work out for them if it's in the right spot. Uh, B.J. Armstrong, um, he is Josh Jackson's agent who will go in the top five has absolutely no problems draft uh, coming to Sacramento with Josh Jackson said that uh, Latte is one of his the greatest teammates he's ever had. He's known Scott Perry since he was a kid because he they both grew up in Detroit um, this this team is turning a corner from what I know from the people that I've spoken to and uh, and I, I think they're on the right path. And they, they may not be there yet, but they're on the right path. So that yeah, was I'll kind throw, of my fun thought. Yeah, I
2: was gonna throw in thirty seconds on this. Um I think, you know, whatever you think of the Demarcus Cousins trade or how it was handled, everything having to do with that. The fact of the matter is, is now the page is turned and the the equilibrium following that trade makes it much more desirable for agents to think about their their clients in this location. And I think that the There has been a turning of the page. So one of the benefits of that trade is exactly this: you're seeing, in my estimation, a step forward in terms of perception around the league. So you know, measure Demarcus Cousins how you will, but um, going forward, I think the foundation is is actually quite strong.
0: Yeah, I think so too. And I think a lot of people look at this and say, look, they got a brand new stadium, they've got Dave Yeager, they've got some talented young pieces. But none of those talented young pieces are proven to be stars yet. My player could be a star, and I have no problems going there and taking that opportunity and running with it because they have shored up a lot of the deficiencies that they had before. All right, so Aaron, uh, we've run this thing long. So uh, I I believe that that's going to do it. Uh, Yeah, Yeah, we we, we
2: had to give him a little extra for the time off.
0: Sorry, we took some time off, folks. We'll we'll be back uh, ASAP with the next uh nbc sports bay area nbc sports california king's insider podcast brought to you by max muscle so for aaron bruski i am james ham thanks for tuning in we'll talk to you soon